You people want to know why I did what I did? Look in the mirror. I did it because of you. I didn't pay my dues in front of hundreds of people. I learned from the absolute best that this business had to offer, and I paid my dues in front of millions and millions of people. And I accomplished everything that there is to accomplish here in the WWE. I started my career as a legend killer, and now 16 years later, I realize who the true legend killer is. It is each and every one of you. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. 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 It is Rewind to SmackDown time. John Pollock here along with Waiting here with you late on a Tuesday night. Shit, Wait. shit I'm sorry, dude. Oh, oh, I did record. Fuck. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to Rewind to SmackDown. This is the kind of spontaneity uh, that we so crave. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm perfect. Sorry. I'm just uh, a lot going on. You're always perfect. Well, I never doubt that. You've always hit record. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Yep. I, I was recording. Yep. Yep. We haven't had one of those issues for a while. Knock on wood. Uh, I have not with you, but with others. I when we when I did the last UFC review with Ziggy and Phil, uh, we were twelve minutes deep when I realized I had not hit record. Oh no! Yes, well, I feel uh, I feel they were they were very polite with me, and then uh, we're like, okay, let's just restart immediately. Yeah. Well, Thankfully, I realized it's twelve minutes in and not an hour into that show. That would have been terrible. Mm-hmm. But hey, we we've learned the hard way about stuff like that. What's going on? Uh, not a ton. Yeah, not much. Just uh, enjoying some wrestling in my life. Um, uh, the G1 picks back up Thursday. On Thursday? Yeah. yeah. So, are you, are you missing it yet? Kind of, actually, in a way. Like, I've, I've missed... I, I, really, I really haven't been sick of it yet. I mean, it's only been seven days. We're not even halfway through it yet. But I really haven't been sick of it because the quality of the wrestling has been so high. So, I mean, by the end of, like, you know, watching my two hours of matches every single day, I'm, like, still pretty energized and usually pretty psyched to even watch more. No, it's uh, to me, it's it's never an issue of, you know, sitting down and you and you leave the show upset or anything like that. It's, it's more just uh, when you're trying to cram in a lot and trying to just find the time. Uh, that, that can be pressing, though... I'll say I really felt it those those first few years when it was the ten matches a day. Oh, those yeah. ones were really those were very tough. Five is a good uh, number for me. Actually. Yeah, I think five is a very manageable number. It's the same amount of fights they do on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, and that's become my my favorite mixed martial arts show to watch. And to be honest, like each week now, like there's a lot of wrestling shows I'll enjoy, but in terms of really looking forward to a show, uh, that one's really near the top of my list. I really? just watched the main main event of uh, this week's uh, card because tonight's main event featured Nick Newell. Are you familiar with him? Yes, I am. 
So Nick Newell is a congenital amputee. He doesn't have a left hand. And for years he had been fighting and just not getting not getting a break. He was 14 and 1, retired a couple of years back and then returned earlier this year and his goal was to get to the UFC. So he met with Dana White and he made his case of why he should get a shot at the UFC and ter- try and convince Dana because I think they've been a little leery of of bringing in Nick Newell and all the criticism that might get and it could be a disaster for them. I guess that was their thinking. So the compromise was giving him a shot on the Tuesday night contender series and tonight was this fight. So he was taking on this fighter by the name of Alex Munoz who is a uh, 4-0 fighter with a team alpha male. He's a wrestling coach there. And this guy just out-wrestled Nick Newell for three rounds and beat him 30-27. And that was that was it for Nick Newell, who did land some big strikes and had a had a guillotine choke that looked semi-deep at one point in the fight, but it was um you know, he was clearly beaten in this fight by Alex Munoz. So then it, it didn't have the uh the storybook ending for Nick Newell. Oh, that's too bad. But, uh, yeah, if the guy can't win in this show, then, mm, you know, should he be in the UFC? Yeah, I guess, you know, if if you're, like, it was, you know, pretty pretty one-sided fight overall. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that was, uh, but anyway, back to the point. Uh, five fights every Tuesday, just like the G1. I guess that was my connection there. Hmm, interesting. Well, we have a lot to discuss heading into SmackDown. Uh, we're also going to take your feedback. Uh, we'll see what else is uh, going on in the world. And if we have time, I'm going to share some of my uh, thoughts on the year 1994. Oh, boy. I can't wait. It's been a while. Quite the year. Quite the year. All right. Let's get into SmackDown Tuesday night from Evansville, Indiana. How about this? One night after the historic announcement we were told about for the Evolution pay-per-view, the all-women's show, we are here in the home of the of Jeff Osborne's hook and shoot promotion, the first all women's MMA organization. All right, how about it? Yeah. What a what symmetry here. Limo pulled up at the start of the show, revealing the Miz and Maurice with a baby to plug their premiere party for tonight because immediately following SmackDown would be the debut of Miz and Mrs., which as Way and I are speaking at 10:40 p.m. We are not watching this. I don't even know if this is airing in Canada, to be honest. Not to my knowledge. I mean, it's only on USA. I, I haven't heard of another um, Canadian broadcaster picking it up. Uh, so I, I, I'm sorry, guys. Stop asking me. Well, I, I think a lot of people are going to be looking, Wait, Total Bellas wraps up this week. No, no, no. no. You got to fill that void. I don't think so. Randy Orton came out at the start of the, the show. Big recap on his attacks on Jeff Hardy. And the video package ended with Hardy clutching his ear from last week and the the ear pulling. Oh, man, it was so effective. So effective that, I mean, Randy Orton in these two appearances didn't even have to speak a word. He comes out here with the microphone and immediately gets this incredible heel reaction. So I'm really glad they made this little video package just to remind everybody, especially those in attendance, of just how grotesque this whole thing was. How about the fact that we always we always complain about big injury angles and then the guy shows up the next night after a pay-per-view. He's not selling it at all. Mm-hmm. Jeff Hardy took a week off to sell his his earring being pulled. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, 
Orton is out. He's heard everyone's theories on why he did what he did, including being uh, having unfinished business from a decade ago, being bitter that he was number nine on the SmackDown top ten list, which I just howled mm-hmm. at the reminder of this awful gimmick they had. I have not thought of this top ten list in months, <laughs> but it's on Randy Orton's mind. I, I love that he brought this up. I, I want I want to picture Randy Orton going through his Twitter timeline. Looking at all these suggestions from fans and one of the fans suggesting, probably as a joke, that Randy is still pissed off about being number nine on this top ten. Uh, oh, could you imagine Randy Orton like just going searching uh, Randy Orton fan fiction and what he might find on the internet? Oh my. He's going to be number nine pretty much for, for eternity because I don't see this top ten ever coming back. I love that they just dropped it cold. There was not even an attempt to rectify it or give it a chance. Done. Mm -hmm. Done after the one fucking list. It's great. He says he did it because of you, the people. He has busted his ass for 16 years. And he asks, who else was around when I started? Which was kind of an odd observation given the fact he's feuding with Jeff Hardy. True. Yes. Not to mention Matt. Gold dust. Could he mean that who has stuck around and, and throughout this entire uh, several years of his career and, and didn't necessarily leave the company to go somewhere else? Cena. Yeah, I guess Cena's Cena. on a little bit of a hiatus, but Orton's had quite quite a number of his hiatuses. He just mm. finished one. Okay. All right. So aside from Cena, who else? Kane, I guess. I mean, if you can. Uh, Kane, you're right. Uh, Hunter, the, the, Hunter's really not. Not a really. I don't even performer. include Kane. I don't include the Big Show. I don't even know if I would include. Uh... Yeah, big, big Show and Henry. Uh, I guess. So I guess inactive. they can. Uh, anyway, well, but they had also been there longer than Orton had. So if you add up the uh, the uninterrupted period, hmm. it would be longer than 16 years. Anyway, he then brings up. Things he doesn't do, such as change his merchandise colors every month to steal money from the people. He doesn't show up in the spring for WrestleMania, nor does he dive off cages. And he doesn't understand why the fans respect people like that. He says he's not an indie darling that worked in rundown bingo halls or have a cool hand gesture as he did the too sweet sign. Awesome. I guess the... Uh, the WWE using their their official intellectual property. Mm-hmm. He learned from the best. He paid his dues in front of the world. He started as the legend killer, but the true legend killer is all of you. He is the legend, and he's going to dr- destroy every star that the fans have put on a pedestal. He's going to write Hardy's final chapter, and he's going to end his career. And the only thing he needs to be referred to is as the three most devastating letters are. K and as they all yell oh he just drops the mic and leaves one of Randy Orton's finest promos I am really digging this heel Randy Orton character yeah bravo really seriously just a great old school promo from Randy the likes of which I feel like we rarely see in professional wrestling these days the man just has this calm methodical delivery that really allows him to convey like a sense of fear and also doing it in a way where I completely understand his motivations. He's not just going out there kind of just saying big words in order to, I don't know, uh, look cool or sound cool. I actually know what he's saying, and I actually understand why he is so bitter. So uh, I, I didn't realize how much I had missed this version of Randy Orton. Uh, it's, it's a Randy Orton with a clear mission. He's going to get 
back at the fans who didn't accept him. I mean, or in the audience and the, the locker room who didn't accept him. He put him in number nine. And he's going to do that by taking out all of our favorite baby faces. I almost want him to succeed. I want, I want him to succeed almost as much as uh, maybe I want Thanos to succeed. This is how good of a, of a villain this is. Yeah, I I just think that Randy Orton, uh, he could be in store for a really great run here as as his heel. Phillips then gets really serious to recap the historic announcement on Raw, and that's our cliffhanger going to break. The full story, next. And then we got a huge video recapping uh, the creation of this all-women's pay-per-view. I thought they were... Like, if you're going to keep it to video packages like this, I, I I at least prefer that to, you know, constant reminders in every single promo. Like, if Randy Orton at the beginning of that promo <laughs> had to bring up this uh, Evolution pay-per-view, I would have just, it would have taken points off. I thought it was done a, a, a lot more tactfully and a bit more tastefully tonight. It was still brought up in quite a lot of promos on this show. Yes, it was. Yes. They were kind of hidden. But, I'm you now know, picturing, but I'm now picturing Randy Orton working <laughs> it in to his promo. But at the same you time... Know, so, I've had some bad some bad rumors about myself with some of the women in the past. And I'm really happy to know that oh, no. uh, they'll have a locker room to themselves that I won't be allowed in. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I also say like, you know, AJ bringing it up in his promo. I thought he made it personal. He related to his own daughter. I thought that was way better than simply uh, Finn Balor and Chad Gable talking about, hey, you heard about this great thing? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. The B team. Rusev and Andrade Cien Almas were first. We had a WWE.com video to set this up where Lana and Zelina Vega were arguing over which which loser that they represent um, that is coming off their own lost AJ Styles deserves a rematch. Uh, Lana brought up Aiden English screwing up and costing Rusev the match, and it led to Rusev challenging Almas to a fight, and Almas accepted. And there was no Aiden English in the corner of Rusev, Rusev got the advantage early, and then we come back from break. Now almost is in control. Rusev hit these high kicks, hit a spinning heel kick, and then almost avoids the machka kick, lands a spinning elbow, stunning Rusev. Uh, double knees get stopped with a machka kick. Both go down, and then Lana and Vega start shouting at each other, and the crowd goes nuts. There's a slap delivered to Lana. Everyone's going crazy. Lana tackles her, and then English runs down to stop Lana, and Vega jumps onto English, which knocks down Lana. This all distracts Rusev, who turns around and is hit with the hammerlock DDT as Almas wins in nine minutes, three seconds. And once again, English has screwed up and cost Rusev a match. Mm-hmm. I thought this was good. I thought the match was good. I liked the angle at the end. I mean, you watch this and it's it's such a WWE style soap opera type of thing. But I thought it was done well. You know, it furthered this whole English Rusev story. It gave Cien a win, although he wasn't much of a focus here. At least he doesn't lose anything as a result of this. And the story is that English can't do anything right. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I wonder if they're moving forward with this feud because they really reacted heavily to Vega and Lana. Mm -hmm. You almost got the tease of like a mixed tag here or something uh, similar. R-Truth is backstage. He's about to have his first match since the WrestleMania kickoff show. It's a it's a very big night for him. He's going to be facing Samoa Joe, and Ty Dillinger gives him a pep talk and says that R-Truth is not going to be going to sleep uh, to encourage R-Truth, who believes he's got a shot against Samoa Joe. 
Then English and Lana are arguing backstage. Rusev is just fuming in the background and then tells them to both shut up and suggests that maybe neither of them is good for Rusev Day. Mm-hmm. Seeing how this played out, I mean, with Rusev kind of questioning uh, whether or not he needs either of them, tells me that we're not necessarily going to see either one kicked out from the group. And to me, it almost feels like this is just a, a breaking up of the entire entity of Rusev Day before they come back together stronger than before. At least that's my hope, because I think the three of them are, are very good together. Maybe it's going to be revealed that they decide Rusev is not good for them and Aiden and Lana hook up. Damn. Wow, that would be really cool. I don't think that'll happen. Aiden the homewrecker. Hmm. R-Truth versus Samoa Joe. Joe swarmed them with elbows. Truth got in a little bit of offense, including nearly jumping into the front row as he went for the splash. Joe avoided a scissors kick, hit a urinagi, Coquina Clutch submitted him in 56 seconds. Well, how good did R-Truth look here for about 45 seconds? You know, it's been a while that I, that I feel like I've seen R-Truth wrestle a singles match. But I mean, I know the man's up there in age, but he he certainly like moves like like he's always moved. The man looked really good. And again, only for 45 seconds, but he it felt like a more serious R-Truth here. Uh, but it's whatever. I love the way they're handling Samoa Joe in these squash matches. Not only doing squash matches and giving him that that big uh, win over like known guys, but having all those guys be afraid to even face him. Guys like Ty, guys like Our Truth in the back talking about how you know it's so, such punishment to be given to Moa Joe. I thought they were going to go further with the Ty Dillinger thing uh, by having Ty constantly come back and refusing to give up. Boy, was I wrong. What who what was I thinking? Pushing Ty Dillinger. <laughs> Anyway, so I, I had no problem with this. You're just heating Joe up for something bigger. And these are the guys to kill. That's their sole yeah. purpose for being on this roster. No, I don't mind it either. How old do you believe our truth is? 46. Damn. Did you look this up? No. That's how old he is. Oh, my God. 46. I'm really good at this. I should do the carnival thing. Man, you've gotten really good at this age guessing. Yeah, I guess age guessing is like my dates for you. Yeah. Asuka was backstage with Dasha and was asked about the Evolution pay-per-view. Do you think you'll get booked on the show, Asuka? She just yells, I'm so excited. I'm ready. Yeah. This was Asuka Spano with Zach Morris. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. Maybe she was also on sleeping pills or caffeine oh. pills, whatever. <laughs> Maybe that's where we're going. I don't and know. Her dealer is No Way Jose. Oh, yes. Yes. Everything that we want. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is like just Asuka's new delivery now. Like she's, she's almost just somebody who speaks like she's crazy. Um, I get the sense that they're, that, that's what this woman needs. Well, that's what someone w suggested probably that. Yeah. Let's, let's make her nuts. That, that always goes well. Let's make her crazy. I get the sense let's, that they're, let's make her Alicia Fox. <laughs> I get the sense that maybe they're just using what they have to work with. Cause Asuka's delivery, I would say like from what I've seen, is is like this. This is just maybe dialed up in this instance. You know, when she speaks English, or at least like when she tries to cut these promos, uh, they're always just really wild. She makes these crazy faces. And maybe somebody just told her, hey, whatever you're doing, just dial it up and maybe we'll have something there. I don't know if this necessarily worked. Um, was it that much worse? I'm not that sure either. I don't think it's a promo that 
too many people are going to be thinking about no. afterwards. Uh, she says tonight she's got Billy Kay, who is not ready for Oscar. Iconic's promo. They mentioned the Evolution show. Oscar is not iconic, and they were the first to beat her on SmackDown Live. Therefore, they are better than Oscar, and did this in their ultra annoying voice and uh, kind of a return to their promos, which uh, they have not been focused on too heavily on SmackDown of late. They really haven't been a focus at all. I mean, I think really, you know, their in-ring certainly holds them back. Character-wise, they're fantastic. But these days, if you want to be get, if you want to get on pay-per-views, you have to know how to wrestle and you have to wrestle good. These two are okay, but certainly far from I think what the standard is today. Um, but I do love them in these selfie promos. I think they're they're actually excellent and very funny in them. Well, four-hour show in October. No, everyone's getting a match. That's true. Yes. Billy starts mocking her in the ring. This upsets Asuka, who hits a running drop kick, knee to the face, shining wizard, and then tries for the ankle lock. Billy holds on to Peyton from the floor, loses her grip, and then takes a head kick, spinning wheel kick, another head kick for the win in a minute 49. Uh, these are the kinds of matches uh, that I think are necessary for Asuka, and I, w- I would have liked to seen her just come off this Carmella atrocity and just run through a bunch of women, but I don't think they have time to do that before SummerSlam. I really think the Charlotte program is where you go. Asuka, you know, can state that she's coming off this uh, this loss to Carmella, and she has to prove to herself that she still is the Empress of Tomorrow, and she has to beat the person who sent her into this spiral downward, Charlotte. I like it. I mean, if your your aim is to get both. Uh, Asuka and Charlotte on the show, I think that that's a perfect pairing, a, a rematch from WrestleMania, and yeah, a, a, a match this time of two people who I think are both seeking redemption for for having not so not such stellar uh, six months, so um, or five months, whatever it is. So yeah, yeah, I don't mind this at all. Just rebuilding Asuka. Shinsuke Nakamura, he uh, did a selfie promo. And did not mention the Evolution pay-per-view. He said that Jeff Hardy was so close last week, but he is still champion. And says, do you hear me? No, no, no. I thought he said, do you ear me? Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay, well, either one is funny. He stated that Hardy has been bitten by the Viper, but he warns Randy that he bites back. So he looks to be injecting himself into this feud. Yeah, which I really just wanted the Jeff Hardy-Randy Orton program. I don't really need Nakamura in the midst of this, but it seems like it, it is building to a three-way match. Yeah, I suppose Nakamura needs something, and you know, maybe putting a, a belt on the line in this Hardy-Randy feud might add to it. Uh, it kind of gets away from Randy's story, though. And, and yeah, yeah, it's you got two really effective heels, in my opinion, that are on different directions in Randy and Nakamura that... I don't really need to see these two cross paths at this moment. Mm-hmm. You've got a you've got a program in Hardy and Randy, but anyway, I guess everyone's got to be on the SummerSlam show, and this is the direction for Nakamura. Uh, Miz and Maurice were doing a photo shoot, and then Paige is in the ring for the SummerSlam contract signing. She stated that the SmackDown women are going to steal the show at Evolution. Mentions Trish Stratus and Lita, along with over fifty women from the past, present, and future on the show. She calls the WWE title the most important championship and welcomes AJ Styles. And this place goes nuts for him, proving you can be a top babyface in 2018 in WWE. And it's not the 
most difficult thing in the world to achieve. Everyone just keeps chanting and chanting. He mentions he has a husband and a father. And when he heard Stephanie's announcement, he thought of his daughter and says there is nothing she can't do or accomplish and is another reason to be proud of the company that he works for. He said that their their domestic decisions they make in this country are second to none. Don't get on my don't get on our foreign policy. And he calls this title not just the most prestigious in the WWE, but in the entire world. Fuck you, Kenny Omega. Hmm. Fuck you, Jay Lethal. Yeah. This is the title. And then mentions his matches in Summer Slams of uh, past years with John Cena and Kevin Owens. And this event is no different than WrestleMania. Signs the contract without even knowing who the opponent is. And before Paige can announce it, out comes James Ellsworth. Allow me to reintroduce myself. And James Ellsworth, I thought, cut a great promo here. He said the real reason he came back to WWE is that title. (laughs) Because he's beaten AJ three times. And as they say, the fourth time's a charm. Which AJ said, no, nobody says that. And then Ellsworth says, wham, bam, Ellsworth is the new champ at SummerSlam. Hot damn. (laughs) He's great. Page, Page calls Ellsworth a joke. And says, uh, he comes back telling Paige, no one can even understand you half the time with your accent. And Paige, with the most comical line, we don't make fun of people around here. And Ellsworth said, yes, we do. And calls her pale as a ghost. And Paige is sick of him, brings out security, and fires James Ellsworth. Yeah. It's the end of the guy. He's gone. I thought a good write-off for James Ellsworth. I mean, uh, I was happy to see him come back. I think it prolonged this Carmella thing a little bit longer. Um, but I'll say, I, I think even you know, as me as a James Ellsworth fan, I feel like perhaps his his uh, character has kind of run its course. Um, he had a really good run. Men really did. I th- I think you could have thrown this guy on as some kind of manager on 205 Live. I, I think there's a role for this guy somewhere in this company. But, but, of all the promos I hear that are just dreadful, this guy's genuinely entertaining to me. That I feel not a major role, but some role I would give this well, guy. Well, I appreciate the fact that he has a different look. And I think that, that sure. certainly means a lot when you have a whole performance center of guys that are athletically built. Um, and, and yeah, I wonder. Yeah, you're right. They could they could have had a role, but for whatever reason, I I just they don't seem to want to have uh, on their roster somebody like him. Oh. AJ um, AJ's watching from the ring as they bring him to the back. Uh, security's dragging him out to the back, and then Paige kicks him out of the door. And I was just waiting for them to leave and and pan over, and we hear a and TJP hires him. Is his security? But no, oh, okay. I thought you meant TJP would sign the contract, face AJ no, no, at SummerSlam no. for the WWE title. No, TJP uh, takes uh, takes the dead weight here in James Ellsworth. TJP has actually been doing very well on Two Hundred Five Live. If you've been tuning in, he's cutting some fun promos. Hmm. So Styles is left in the ring. Uh, Page is left. They're all in the back, kicking out Ellsworth, and then we cut back to the ring. And Joe has attacked AJ, hits him with the uh, Coquina clutch, and then he gets up, Styles is out, and he signs the contract. And Byron asks, does that make it official? Well, 
In a court of law, probably not. In WWE, yes, it does. And he leaves to the back yelling, TikTok, champ. Uh, no, very it, good. At it's a set up here. Well, it's official because Joe's name was on the contract. Yeah, they established later. It wasn't as if Joe just uh, leapfrogged another challenger. He was the intended uh, number yeah. one contender. Yeah, I, I thought this was so awesome. I mean, I, I I enjoy the Ellsworth stuff. I thought Paige did a good job too. I think she's improving as this GM uh, role that she's been given. Um, this is the type of match that I want from SummerSlam. I want Joe versus AJ. And to me, this is your main event. I like if they want to uh, satiate. They won't. They don't oh, even joke. On. They're they're not putting this on last. Oh man! If so I think seriously? everyone better just get that out of your system. But, like they, it, if they were half-assing this Lesnar Reigns thing, they wouldn't do the match. They're going full out. It's going to go on last. Yeah. It's going to be the reaction everyone thinks, and this will probably go on in first the. The third hour, or who knows? Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe they'll open with it. No, you're right. You're probably right. Uh, but I don't care. I'll take it, man. Even if it is a curtain jerker, I want Joe versus AJ in a more substantial match. Um, I don't even know if they've wrestled yet on SmackDown, have they? The last time they had a singles match, um, was 2013 in Impact. Okay, wonderful. So I, I, I can't wait for this. I think having it at SummerSlam makes it that much more of a bigger deal. I thought the segment was really good. I'm really happy with the way they've handled Joe lately. So, uh, thumbs up all around. Yeah, I don't see how you can complain about this at all. Great setup, and Joe's been tremendous. Mm-hmm. I think you can make a really strong argument to, to put the title on him uh, coming out of SummerSlam. 100%. Joe is backstage, and Paige confronted him, and he says that what Paige had laid out was pedestrian. And what he did, as he puts his arms out, was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. This guy is incredible. Yeah. Just an unbelievable year he has had in 2018. Uh, could have been better. Like He's been away for a, a good chunk of it. Yeah, but post, uh, post-draft, especially, like he was the, a bright spot on Raw um, after WrestleMania, uh, even before that, before the injury. And then on SmackDown, I think he's been great. Yeah, he has. Carmella then shows up complaining about James Ellsworth being fired, and Paige says to go buy a new boyfriend, who apparently apparently Carmella's uh, real legitimate uh, finishing maneuver is this touch of death she has with the males around her. Hmm. They disappear. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. She says she's going to remain champion through evolution. And then brings up beating Asuka and Charlotte twice. And now she's going to beat Becky Lynch, which was our match coming up next. The non-title match for Becky to earn a title match. All these hoops Becky had to go through for this title match. And and look what Joe got. He beat Ty Dillinger and R-Truth. Well, they're tough. I guess so. Becky went for the disarmer pretty early. Carmella kept avoiding it. And then... Uh, after Becky missed a baseball slide drop kick, got thrown into the barricade, come back from break, Carmella's in control, rubbing Becky's face into the mat, and then runs Becky into the turnbuckle, another disarmor attempt, Carmella uses the rope for leverage, Becky still kicks out, Becky missed a top rope leg drop, which is something she needs to never do again. Uh, Becky is then pulled to the center, and in pulling her, extended her arm, and Becky locked it uh, uh, on with the disarmor and submitted her in seven minutes, 10 seconds. And Corey Graves was furious with the referee for his slow count earlier. 
when Carmella was using the rope. And Becky gets her title match at SummerSlam. I thought a good match. I wasn't such a big fan of them giving away this match before the actual match at SummerSlam, but this was exactly, I thought, what Becky kind of needed in order to boost her up to the next level. This was, to me, the strongest match and the strongest reaction Becky has had since Money in the Bank. So she feels, it actually feels like a hotter feud coming out of this. I thought Carmella did well here too. So, I mean, now I want to see Becky convey the character a bit more. I want to see her cut some promos. I want them to establish the actual feud between the two. And they have three weeks to do it. Yeah, interesting to see how they they build up Becky for something big at SummerSlam. Becky has such, like, I mean, the fans really want her to win. She's got, like, a real Daniel Bryan underdog babyface type of thing going for her. But if you're only watching SmackDown or WWE programming, you don't get a huge sense of that. You don't, it, it, it's certainly not reflective of, I think, what the audience, uh, from my reaction, what, what, what the ra- reaction I see to her online represents. So I just, I want her to be able to convey more of that character and to just, just hook the rest of us on board who aren't necessarily Becky Lynch fans yet. Uh, but I, that potential is, is, is there big time. She's, she's the Sean Green of, uh, of this SmackDown roster because I had a, an awful season and I kept Sean Green in the minors the entire year, so I didn't damage him by the association. And when you look at some of the women that have been brought up, Becky does not have the the damage of being a main roster flop. She still feels like someone that's just been on the back burner this whole time. And, I mean, compare her to, to Bailey, for instance. Completely. Absolutely. They haven't, they haven't put Becky through all this awful, awful story ideas, and she's just kind of been... She's had her presence, and now they're actually getting behind her. Mm-hmm. So I think the audience has a reason to be behind her and haven't given up on her. Mm-hmm. Bludgeon Brothers promo. They talked about this uh, tag tournament that's going to be taking place over the next couple of episodes, and the same fate will await the winner, a bludgeoning. So Biggie and Xavier Woods took on Alexander Wolf and Killian Dane in our first tournament match. We had the Usos on commentary who will face The Bar next week. Woods fought off Dane, landed a missile drop kick. Uh, he was selling for a long time, built up to tags to Biggie and Wolf, and Wolf took all these suplexes. The Usos were doing this like old timey commentator impression. I thought it was like an impression of um, Tom and Byron. Was it not? Mm, I don't know what it was. Young distracted Biggie led to a fight on the floor where everybody got involved, including Kofi and Eric Young. Then Young climbed to the top turnbuckle, was shoved off by Kingston, and this allowed Biggie and Xavier Woods to hit the midnight hour onto Alexander Wolf, with Woods getting the pinfall in eight minutes. Just up, 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 down, down. Actually, as as great uh, as Phillips called it. Oh, they've uh, they've renamed it, or is this the version with I, Xavier Woods? I it's, think it's a different move, isn't it? I don't know exactly what the difference is, but I believe they're somewhat different. It looked the same. Well, it anyway. could just be done with different guys. I'm not really sure. Um, I thought a really good match. I, I actually could, thought the Usos were pretty funny on commentary. Yeah, they were okay. Didn't stand out to me. Uh, New Day wins. Then the bar came out. And God, if this wasn't a plug for our post-production video of awful merchandise. The bar have a new t-shirt, which reminded me of the, the set for Shawn Michaels Heartbreak Hotel interview segment. That's what this looked like. These were actually football jerseys. These look terrible. Uh, well, I thought 
I, I don't I can't fathom anyone spending money on these these shirts. I mean, that's what f- football shirts look like. Like they're usually just a like shiny material with some like they're not any type of shirt that I think you would wear unless you were going to a a football uh soccer, sorry, uh game or something like that. I mean, okay. Well, any any of our fans uh over in the UK want to try and uh, buy one of these jerseys and then go to a, a football match wearing these. Get back to us with how, how this goes over to the uh, to the fans over there, the, these bar shirts. There are far worse shirts. Like, and, and what I mean by... It's far better. There, there are better, sure. But this is, again, this was not supposed to be, you know, fashionable, I don't think. This was... This is, and why is it being sold? I don't think football uniforms, soccer uniforms are fashionable. I think they're just, I don't know what they are. I, I, they're, they're not designed with the intent of, uh, for, for the average person to walk down the street to, to look amazing. I, I guess I don't, I don't think so. It's a sports thing. Well, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. Um, then we went on to Paige with Ms. and Maurice, and they need a babysitter. Paige had hired Sinkara. And Miz instead says that he is just going to bring the baby out to the arena as Sinkara had diapers. Mm-hmm. That's a good setup. Yeah. So the Miz, Maurice, and the baby come out for the premiere party of Miz and Mrs., our final segment of the show. Miz brought up the eulogy from last week for Team Hell No and calls him and Maurice the future of sports and the future of entertainment. Maurice is the mother of the year, and Maurice worked in an evolution plug, stating that the evolution began with her. And in promoting her show, said, if you think you know what comedy, drama, and television is all about, you have no idea. Comedy, drama, and television, redefined on this reality series. Miz then endorsed it by stating it's Curb Your Enthusiasm meets This Is Us, Meets Rough Rough Ref meets Survivor. Yeah, I'm glad he got Rough Rough Ref in there. That's a hell of a combination of shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that Monroe Sky has accomplished more in her short life than Daniel Bryan has since his return. This led to a, Mo- a Monroe Sky chant from the audience. And he says that the name Daniel Bryan has put her to sleep. And he asks for everyone to be quiet. And to the audience's uh, credit, the majority did quiet down for this baby, this supposed baby that is sleeping. And and to the discredit of the others? They were assholes. (laughs) They go into a trailer for the show, but the trailer has been hijacked and re-edited with old clips of The Miz making fun of him, taking rock bottoms, stunners, that awful promo when he was hired to be the host of uh, SmackDown. Uh, Zack Ryder knocking him off the ladder at WrestleMania. Awful Miz puns, which were probably directly lifted from the real trailer. And the culmination with his mother telling him that Roman Reigns is her favorite wrestler. And then a shot of Roman Reigns punching him in the face. This was actually a really well put together comedy trailer. Yeah, I think it took me a second before I realized, oh, this isn't Miz and Mrs.? <laughs> Because, I mean, when you watch the Miz and Mrs. trailer, it's all, like, embarrassing moments, too. Yeah, the real legit trailer is this dude walking around naked with a bunch of photographers laughing at him. Yeah. That's the real trailer. That's the non-embarrassing trailer. Mm-hmm. 
So the trailer ends, and Miz and Maurice are shocked, and Daniel Bryan appears on the screen. Mr. M- Mr. Uh, audition himself, Daniel Bryan, uh, he, he calls it the greatest reality show ever that Miz and Maurice have, and blames Kerwin in the truck, and security tells him to leave as he comes out to the ring, attacks the security, throws them into the barricade, passes through the rope, and then he makes a fist towards Miz, who is holding this baby, and takes the doll, which it is revealed as, throws it at Brian, who catches it, and gets laid out with the skull-crushing finale. And Miz reacts, stating that the baby backstage was an actor, and he would never bring his daughter to a city like Evansville. And if you want to see Monroe Sky, then tune into Miz and Mrs. Mm -hmm. on the USA Network. Mm -hmm. And the closing scene, I mean, if this guy were ever to leave WWE, this would be the image that you would want going around everywhere. It's Brian seething in the ring in the background of the doll. Yes, yes. Man, I thought this was really great. I thought it was very well done from the opening setup with Sin Cara to Miz coming out and doing uh rattling up the crowd to the 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 video and then to the decoy baby being revealed. I thought it when was When did when did you reveal when did you realize the baby from the was beginning. Yes, me too. Yeah. But probably not for the reason you did. Um the second they were walking out with the baby. The only thing I thought of is that Evansville, Indiana. I'm looking at the time. There is no way. There is no way they are keeping this baby up at this hour. There's no way wow. that this would happen. And that alone, I was positive that this, I, I was just watching. I was like, there's no way this baby is coming yeah. out. At this well, hour. the backstage baby, I mean, I was really uh, impressed at how quiet she, he or she was. Um, and, and also the decoy baby, of course, in the ring as well. So Probably, probably a pre-tape with the child actress. Perhaps, perhaps. Uh, you know, I, I thought this was great. Like, if you're going to uh, throw advertising at me throughout the course of a show, please this do it. This was done clever. Please, this was very Exactly. Clever. Please do it with a bit of creativity attached to it and, and with the ultimate goal of pushing towards your, your program at the next pay-per-view because this achieved all that. It got all the plugs in there without being too overbearing. Uh, even, you know, they even refused to actually air the trailer again and instead gave us something that, uh, you know, furthered this Daniel Bryan Miz feud. I thought the decoy baby worked out great. I thought it was just all really good. Yeah, I th- I think between, like, let's give them credit in pushing this show and the Elias album. I thought they were creative both nights with, with the way they pushed those. Yeah. And sure. and, may, and worked them into existing characters and storylines. I mean, I like, so. the, I like this so much more because, I mean, The Miz actually has a match coming up. You know, like, like a hot feud between him and Daniel Bryan, whereas Elias... Was really just just out there for the for the video or sorry the album, yeah. So uh, I thought a very good edition of SmackDown coming off of Raw Monday Night. Me too. Yeah, hard for me to find too much to complain about. I mean, I even like the way SummerSlam is shaping up on the SmackDown side way more than I do on Raw already. Like between Miz and Daniel Bryan, between uh, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles, Becky and Carmella, uh, I I just feel like it's. It's it's the it's the brand that I'm looking more forward to, and the show has been way better to watch. Well, let us head to the forum. Uh, we got quite a bit of feedback here to the show. Scale of zero to ten, a seven point nine four for SmackDown. Yeah, SmackDown fair. is just dominating fair. the uh, the post wrestling ratings yeah. for twice as much as, as Raw most weeks. Yeah, 
We start off with Brandon from Oshawa. This show was tremendous. How is this the same company that puts out the crap we see on Monday nights? I don't understand it. I'm giving it a 10. Orton cut maybe one of the best promo promos of his career. We had a few solid matches, a great angle to get a new title challenger without the same old number one contenders matches, and a great final segment. It was everything I could ask for in an episode. Also, I listened to the Elias album. It's solid for what it's supposed to be. He talks trash and talks about himself mostly. It's only four songs. If it were any more, it would be too much. It's two ninety nine on iTunes, but I have Spotify, so didn't have to pay, luckily. We should want to let people know way about uh, the Elias album. Yeah, this week on our post-production video, which is available for all Double Double patrons at the Post Wrestling Cafe, each week John and I basically had the task of coming up with a video to do every single week for our uh, Double Double patrons. Uh, last week, of course, we went through our uh, great critique of WWE shop. Uh, unfortunately, the bar's new football jerseys weren't there because I'm sure, sure John would have uh, torn it torn it apart. But this week, we needed something. And hey, this Elias album at only four songs running only 15, sec- 15 minutes, we're going to... Oh, God. Is this it? I was just gonna have this underneath your promo. Okay. Here. Well, it's a bit loud, but um, yeah, we'll be we'll be react. <laughs> I can't I can't talk over this. Wait for Thursday oh my or God. Friday. Yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be we'll be live reacting to Elias's album. Uh, so listen to it and check it out if you guys care, and, and if you're double double patrons at postwrestlingcafe.com. dot um, Yeah, and you know, bringing up. The the differences on Raw and SmackDown, like as I mentioned last week, the 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 format and the process of putting these shows together, they're pretty much the same on both shows. And it is Vince McMahon at the end of it that is, you know, he's playing the same role on both. You know, everyone knows like Raw is always going to be Vince's, you know, uh, his his big favorite toy, but he's as much involved in the process on SmackDown as well. So I think that. Whatever criticism uh, you dole out for Raw, I mean, it's you, you see them at least of late. Um, SmackDown has been, I think, a pretty strong show the last few weeks. Okay, I'm looking at Connor from Minneapolis's oh, wow. feedback. Uh, I listen, even. listen, I'm going to uh, read some of it, but the majority of it. He, In fairness, I requested this. He has chronicled the Sasha Bailey saga and everything that had happened starting from January 29th of 2018 all the way until uh, this past Monday. And, this is actually incredible. Uh, I will spend my time to look through this uh, later on, but uh, it, it seems very, uh, very detailed. So thank you, Connor, for uh, grabbing that. He says, hey, guys, I have to start by thanking you for keeping my love of professional wrestling going even after I gave up on the WWE after Jinder became champion. Your podcast and glow have actually corralled me back back in, and here I am watching my first WWE show since WrestleMania and occasionally watching matches that sounded great from your reviews. I will be brief with my review since I included as an I included an as brief as possible week by week breakdown of the significant moments in the Sasha and Bailey feud since January. I hope you enjoy my suffering and find it worth in some capacity. Capacity. Um, his review is not really brief at all. So I'm actually, uh, I actually, he, I'm going to go to your question. He says, quick question. What was Brian going to do if the Miz was actually carrying his real baby? 
Um, Sorry, what was the question? If what was Brian going to do out there if the Miz was actually carrying his real baby? Well, he Brian wasn't going to do anything to the baby. He was just going to walk out and yell at him. I bet. No, he was going to punch him in the face. He was making a fist. I'm with him. I didn't know what he. What was the plan here? You're going to punch a man who had a (laughs) who was holding a baby. Well, I I mean, maybe that's something to question Daniel Bryan. Mark from Cole Harbor. I really enjoyed SmackDown tonight. Randy Orton had more fire than I've seen in ages. Very passionate promo, reminding everyone who he is. Another great promo was Samoa Joe. I know guys like The Miz and Owens are great on the mic, but I don't think anyone sounds as believable as Joe. Total badass, and as someone who didn't see anything of them in TNA, and I'm excited for this feud with AJ. Not sure what others will think, but I thought the Becky Lynch-Carmella match was very good. A little sloppy at times, but I felt they got the crowd with a few of the false finishes at the end. Miz, as always, was great, but I don't think his segment should have closed the show. I know it was to lead into Miz and Mrs., but I would have liked it better in the middle in the AJ-Joe segment to end. Regardless, great episode of SmackDown. I, I think to push that Miz and Mrs. show, I think the position was was very good to have that directly going into the show. So I, I didn't mind that positioning. And you also want to be able to tee up Miz and Mrs. and mention Miz and Mrs. as much as possible. Um, yeah, they they really the need that show to do. Like, it's one thing on E for Total Bellas to be doing 600,000 viewers. They can't be doing 600,000 viewers on USA Network. So that one, they really need to hit that show very hard. What what number do you think it would be respectable on a USA? I mean, you've got to be looking at, you know, over a million, a million viewers, like wow. bare minimum, I would say. Hmm. I mean, like, like USA Network is one of the most like highly rated cable networks out there for, for primetime programming. I mean, that is that is the reason Raw is uh, where it is. It helps boost that average up. So, I mean, if they're going below... You know, I'd say 1.2 million viewers. It's it's then kind of dragging that average down. So, no, um, we shall see how this worked. Yeah. Uh, okay, your turn. Oh, sorry, Mike that New- was that yours or mine? That's yours. Okay, let's go to Mike here from New York. Pretty entertaining SmackDown. Much more than the experience of watching Raw. I'm happy the Ellsworth Carmella experiment is over. Like John said, they didn't have the same chemistry this time around. Becky will most likely win the title at SummerSlam, and she's deserving of another run. Sanity and New Day was a good match overall. I am guessing the Bar wins and faces the New Day. I would like to see a hard-hitting match between the Bludgeon Brothers and the Bar. I think it could be a great physical beat-em-up match. AJ Joe got off to a great start with Joe showing his viciousness. With all that he has done in the past couple of years, I think he's deserving of a run with the title. AJ's title run has been a bit underwhelming, though. I don't think it's necessarily all AJ's fault, as he's been handcuffed a bit. Do you have a prediction about who you think might win that tag team tournament? Mm, uh, I, I would say Sheamus and Cesaro because they've they've beaten all the other teams. That that feels like a real retread at this point. Even if they're all heels. Um, yeah, at this point, I'm really not dying to see the Usos again, nor the New Day. Like we just kind of have done those feuds. I mean, I guess you could you could have the New Day face them again. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. N- n- none of them seem all that uh, intriguing to me. We got a Terry who says, awesome show tonight. I love the Almas versus Rusev match the best. I can't wait for AJ versus Joe, probably my most anticipated for SummerSlam. How many matches do you guys think will be booked for the big show? Oh, a lot. I- I'm thinking 13. Yeah. Um, 13, 14 shows? Yeah, something like or that. Matches? So what are we looking at? Like five hours? Yeah, kickoff will be at 5 p.m. Eastern time, and we're going till at least 11. So, there you go. Six hours? Yeah, it's going to be the same length as uh, 
Yeah, that's that's the length for these ones. Oh my God. Okay. All right, Eric in Miami. The reason I loved what they did with Samoa Joe tonight. In WWE world, when a wrestler is done with his segment, he's done for the night. I love that Joe had his match with Truth and made you think that he was done. I also enjoyed the very little detail of Paige telling Joe, I picked you because you're unpredictable, letting the audience know Joe was always the number one contender and some fan in the crowd couldn't have walked in and signed the contract. I was half expecting Joe to yell at Paige. That was unpredictable, but not as unpredictable as WWE Evolution. I guess meaning Joe would have had to have gotten his evolution mention in somehow. <laughs> got, I, I get spared it. him. Right. We got a crest from Melbourne, Australia. I decided not to take notes tonight, and very little stands out after it goes off air. Carmella, Becky, and Styles and Joe should be good at SummerSlam, and Ellsworth is gone again, but still seems to be more over than Roman Reigns. The more I watch WWE, the more I regret buying tickets for Super Showdown in October. At least I didn't spend 3568 Australian dollars for the current product. Way on a scale of 0 to 10, how excited for Miz and Mrs. are you after tonight? Okay, well, I'll say, um, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say I was more excited, that much more excited after today, but, uh, I have some curiosity about it, so I'm gonna elevate it from a 0 to a 1. Oh, progress. Okay, we go to Kyle. Two small notes. How is R Truth 46 and moves around like he's 20? He's still K quicker than 80% of the roster. And did you notice Daniel Bryan's baby catch, head cradle and all? That was impressive. <laughs> I mean, not that I'm for it, but they could have used a real baby with that fatherly instinct of Daniel Bryan. <laughs> I can guarantee you they were not going to use a real baby. If only he could have been slightly more careful with the security guard who he dropped on his noggin. Great show. I was into every segment. Mark from Vaughn, I enjoyed SmackDown, but neither of this week's shows felt like we were really ramping up towards SummerSlam. There are still three weeks left, but only AJ versus Joe has me excited for a fresh program. Everything else has been announced as everything else that has been announced is rehashing or continuing an ongoing feud. The Evolution promotion was predict- predictably nauseating, especially from AJ. Wow. Question, do you feel this would be the right time to switch the title? AJ's been holding it for eight months. Orton is still out there as a heel challenger in the fall if things hang on. I guess your only concern is what baby faces do you have ready for Joe? I mean, you can always go with a rematch program with AJ uh, if you need to. Daniel if you wanted Bryan. to switch the title. Yeah, Brian, I guess he would be he would make sense. Um although I don't really like him to be, you know, or um Joe's like first opponent uh True. coming out of SummerSlam. Uh but you're right. Brian, AJ and I'm just thinking about all the challengers. Jeff Hardy. Like Jeff, Jeff Hardy. Hardy is probably yep. your third biggest baby face True. in there. I'm also just thinking about AJ's uh, challengers, you know, and, and has he gone through the majority of, of the ones available on SmackDown? Yes, Orton. Well, you potentially do have Orton now. Yep, Orton's fresh. Um, mm, mm, Joe, I mean, trying to think who else are the baby I think, faces. I think you're getting several. I think you're getting several shows of AJ and Joe, regardless of who wins. Yeah, uh, so. well, I wouldn't complain about that. Brian from Minnesota. Well, I got in late, which is fine because I got to fast forward through the commercials and evolution hype in virtually every segment. Still, this was a good show overall that sets up a ton of stories. RKO, Rusev Day, AJ and Joe, Becky and the Women's Championship, Paige having a crazy night, the tag match kicked ass, and the write-off of Ellsworth was quite amusing. Once again, another entertaining and fun SmackDown Live. This show has been so much easier to watch compared to Raw. Raw is just a chore to watch anymore. Anymore, and I generally just have it on in the background while I do other work. Mm-hmm. Cool. Huh? 
That seems to be the general sentiment right now uh, between the two shows. But there you go. A SmackDown that was a, a pretty well-received one. Um, yeah, very good show. Yeah, overwhelmingly positive. Okay. Um, so, before we get on out of here, folks, I did want to share oh, yes. the year 1994. I want everyone to, to mentally go back to, to what you were doing uh, throughout 1994. So, Do any memories so, come so, so to So, people who, who, just, who aren't even from Toronto, weren't following the Blue Jays, might have not even been born around this time. Can you catch us up to date on, on where the Jays were coming off of and... Maybe well, do you mean coming off of in real life or coming off of in my world? Oh, so, those are oh, two, two so I guess things. that's right. Yeah. So I guess in your world, they didn't win 93. So not only did I, I came on as the general manager for the 93 season. This caused a lot of unrest in the locker room, <laughs> uh, including some unnamed players, <clears throat> John Allard, going public to the press, uh, taking shots at me in public. Not, not a nice move. Nonetheless, um, I've got to admit that I... I did fall to the, the, the depths that John Allward's uh, skepticism warranted, and I drove this team into the ground in 93. <laughs> we, we, uh, we did not repeat as World Series champions. In fact, we finished in last place in the American League East. So it, it was not a very happy season. In 1993, we did not repeat. So in the offseason, uh, had a very, very public, very, very vicious war with one Roberto Alomar, we were able to, to come to our senses and work out a five-year contract. I put a lot of my resources into this guy. Um, the smartest thing I've done as I go through my woes here is that I have taken parts of my payroll and I have, I have invested it in my farm system. And my farm system is churning out some great players. So I'm not going crazy on free agency. And that showed in 1994. It was just not a good season. There's no way to, to slice this. However, there was an improvement over 93. We did not finish in last. We finished in third place uh, with a record of 72 and 90, a mere 18 games out of first place. Uh, you, had, you were 17, 72 and 90, and you're only 18 games back. Wow. Yes, so what, what, the, what, was the number, what was the record of the first team? Uh, well, the Orioles and the Yankees tied for first with uh, records of 90 and 72. Oh, interesting. Okay. Cool. So that um, my highlight of the year was I called up this, uh, this prospect by the name of Carlos Delgado. Mm -hmm. And in his first season way, last season I talked about my power deficiency. We had about 110 home runs total in the entire year. This year... I got 52 home runs out of Carlos Delgado alone. Holy shit. Wow. 52 home runs. It was incredible. I got another 22 from Ed Sprague. Roberto Alomar, the guy who I spent all this money on, I mean, he got a lot of hits. He does get a lot of hits, but 11 home runs, 22 stolen bases, 285 batting average. Yeah, not worth it's it. It was okay. Um, so now going into the offseason way, uh, some of the free agents here. I've got Ed Sprague, who is up for arbitration. This guy wants, uh, let's see what he wants here. He can't be that expensive. Come on. $850,000 over two years, which is really nothing. Yeah. Um, I, might, I might keep him. Yeah, he's so, good. Dependable. Let's look at the other uh, ones who are up for. Okay, Turner Ward. Do you remember this guy? No, actually. Okay, I'm probably not going to keep him, to be honest. I barely used him this past season. Uh, my pitchers, though. The pitchers. Let's go to them. The, my pitching was 
horrendous this year. After Juan Guzman was tremendous all season long, he still managed 200 strikeouts. To his credit, he had a shit team behind him, uh, 13 and 12. I had Pat Hentgen, who went 11 and 15. Ooh, what a ouch. what an atrocious record. Now Juan Guzman, uh, he is also up for arbitration. This guy wants holy Christ. Uh, he wants two point seven five million over two years. Though, if we go to arbitration, he's going to likely want another million on top of that. Is he your so, best oh, guy? Is he your best pitcher? He's my number one pitcher, but I mean, I think you can do better. Oh, you think I should get rid of him? I don't I know. Also, That's a lot of money. My number two pitcher is also up, Al Leiter. He mm. wants a million three, but that's over four years. I don't know about Al Leiter. You still, have, you still have Dwayne Ward. Dwayne Ward is my closer. Twenty nine saves this year. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, I'd keep him and and dirt cheap. I'm paying him three hundred sixty grand until ninety six. I got him for another two seasons. Oh, no, that's a great deal. That's like a Costco so, deal. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, who else is up here? Pat Hentgen has been a real disappointment because so much of my scouting here is based on players I know turned out to be great, so, and Pat Hentgen is not living up to his history. How does baseball mogul like like Carlos Delgado getting however many hits he got, he had? Like, does baseball mogul actually use real life stats towards that calculation, or what? Like, how does that work? No, no, it, it doesn't have any connection to his real performance in '94. So, it's how, just, so how do they know like what he's good at? Uh, I mean, it's like any game where it's like he, he has power rankings and his they, they grade all the different assets like oh. his contact, his power, his speed. Um, gotcha. And then it's, you know, it's all simulation, uh, the games. So he's only 22 years old at this point and he's making get the I'm paying him one hundred twenty thousand dollars for the next three years. Amazing. Oh, Sweet. I love when I get these these. Amazing! You stats. love it when you and rip off your hard, hardworking athletes. I like when I I like a deal. And Carlos Delgado, one hundred twenty thousand dollars over three years is a steal. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna get some productive years out of him, and then he's gonna hold me up for millions, and I'll oh, probably yeah. pay him that. So it's it's a two way street. Mm-hmm. He's got to show some consistency too. I mean, he's had this great year. He's probably gonna have a wild off season where he's gonna go spend his. Whatever it is, forty grand he made this year and go nuts. <laughs> so, oh, anyway, um, that's the end of the. That was the end of the ninety four season. So, thank you I'll for the update. You, yeah, yeah. Free agency season starts on November the seventh. It is currently October first. So I've got to prepare for uh, for the off season with my team payroll of twenty million dollars and seven uh, twenty point seven million dollars. Are you going to lost? I lost money this year too. By the way. Are you going to go through uh, the strike season? Went through the strike season. There was no there was no labor stoppage. Oh, okay. We played, so... we played through '94. Oh, awesome! I was waiting for something like that, like my players strike and I lose a ton of money because I can't put on games. Mm. But I spent I had twenty five million in revenue this season, but I lost three hundred ninety thousand dollars. So my cash on hand is five point five million. Now, do you? In your mind, like imagine yourself walking into the clubhouse at the end of the season and giving a big speech to your players. A hundred, a hundred and twenty-five percent. Can we hear a sample of that speech, perhaps? Uh, you're putting me on the spot now. <laughs> I I would direct a lot of my anger towards. Uh, where, where's? Do you want to know who I sent down to the minors for the end of the season? Okay, to give you a sense of, I just Joe Carter. My, 
the best Joe Carter's in the minors, dude. He wow. Was, he was, you know, he hit 17 home runs, but just not consistent. Very inconsistent. Paul Molitor. Really? Not only did he did he finish in, dude, I gave him, I played him four games this year. He's with the Buffalo Bison in AAA at the moment. <laughs> and his his contract's up this year. I murdered his contract year. So he must be, he still says he's happy, but he's not getting a contract. He's gone. Yeah. I hope he's not listening to this. Enjoy Buffalo. Uh, the best, the best month of my season was the month of September, where I brought up so many of my prospects, and they outplayed the main roster. This was NXT, dude. They yeah. all came up and they blew away the main roster. I sent Paul Molitor down. I sent Joe Carter down. I brought up. Oh, by the way, the best trade I pulled off this season. Uh, this idiot with the Seattle Mariners offered me some random twenty-year-old prospect named uh, Ichiro Suzuki. Mm-hmm. And I got him for nothing. <laughs> like th- this now, guy, like an all-time great player. Is on he the perf- Yankees? Is he performing though for you in this game? Uh, he's in the minors at the moment. I haven't brought him up yet. Okay. He's only twenty. Wow, amazing! So Good he's, stuff. Uh, he's playing with the Dunedin Blue Jays. It's not really um, fair. You kind of have the the benefit of uh, hindsight helping you out. Yeah, here. but that, as I said, with people like Pat Hentgen, it doesn't always play that play itself out. It's true. I had no one here who batted 300. Best I got was Delgado. Carlos Delgado was my all-star. He was incredible. He carried this team. But, man, like Alex Gonzalez, he sucks. Um, Turner Ward, he, he, God, the guy, like, gets into a car and drives left, and he pulls a hamstring. Like, he got hurt so many times. I'm so glad you nuts. managed. I'm so glad you managed to find this in your life, because uh, at sometimes I worry about you, John. When you're so deep into this wrestling stuff, I mean, how do you unwind? You know, how do you uh, round out your 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 interests? And I'm so glad baseball mogul is in your life. Yeah, that's what I got. Jack Morris again sent him down to the minors. He's 39 now. Yeah, just he's not playing well at all. He'll be gone too. Anyway, all right. So there you go. That was cool. 94. Anything else, Way, you want to uh, close off on? When are we going to be back? We haven't even talked about the shows this week. We you will... want to tell everyone what our free shows are, and then I'll talk about the uh, the ones you got to you drop some uh, some some coin for. Of course, I would love to. Tomorrow, the British British Wrestling Experience returns. I believe Martin might be uh, busy with work or something like that. So, oh, I, come on, Martin. I th- I think it'll be uh, Benno and Ollie. Benno, who is killing it in our G one pool. Uh, he, he will perhaps share some th- thoughts on the G1 as well as everything else. Also, also killing it with his relationship with Tamatonga, I understand. What happened? Oh, he, oh Tamatonga banned him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he was blocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is why you don't uh, talk shit about wrestlers uh, who, oh, who like to vanity search themselves, I guess. By uh, the way, uh, one of the backstage promos that Tamatonga just cut, Yeah, it was He great. talks about Benno? No, he d- doesn't, but he should. <laughs> he should talk about it. It's like, you guys are the British wrestling experience, so what's all this OTT talk here? <laughs> They're from Ireland. Yeah. Uh, no, but Tamatonga, he cuts a promo about nerds on the internet. He's like, who the fuck are you? And he's doing like this crazy voice. It was awesome. It was like the best thing Tamatonga has done that I can recall. Well, I'm so, glad. I'm glad. I as think much as his matches have not been really hitting... In the G1, this promo was really good. And mm-hmm. I think as a character, I'm much more high on him than I am uh, an in-ring performer. 
We're wonderful. We have that. At least at this level. Like, I think if we were to see this guy in a different environment, I think you'd see more positives in Tamatonga. But, you know, you're in the deep end with the Sharks, mm-hmm. and you're going to be graded with the Sharks. And that's just – that's the plight of someone like a Tamatonga. Yeah. On Thursday, we have our latest edition of Up Next with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. These two are moving in together. They're This is probably their last week before they actually uh, take part in that move, so – um, Can we just invest in a like a live stream in that house, like a Twitch stream? Yeah, they should just be on Twitch twenty four seven. That might week. be maybe that's something that they'll they'll do when they move in together. Uh, and then on sa- Saturday we have our next edition of Eggshells from Chris Charlton. And do you actually know who the who the guest is this week? If you give me a second, I will actually dig it up. But uh, Eggshells, have you have you had a chance to d- look at uh, the book yet, John? Yes, yes, I have. Yeah. Um, Great response so far. Like, do you have any particular thoughts? Um, I saw Cheeseburger tweet about it today. Uh, he got a copy of it, and Cheeseburger was giving it his endorsement. K hey. Omega has tweeted about it. By the way, did you see uh, Chris Charlton on on the G One show? I did. Yes, I went and rewatched, or not rewatched. Did I watched. S- did you see Bad Luck Folly give him the finger? I saw Bad Luck Folly give him the finger. I saw Zack Saber Junior give him a lot of attitude. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought Chris was great on the show. Oh. I thought he was really fun playing off of the guys who were all just getting in his face. Mm-hmm. I hope, I hope, I hope to see him more uh, as part of the New Japan's commentary. Anyway, so uh, on this edition of, of uh, Eggshells coming out on Saturday with Chris Charlton, they are covering 1994, and joining him will be Pat, oh, I do- yeah, yeah, Pat Laprade, Pat Laprade, and they'll be looking at uh like a new japan show from 1994 with Janichiro Jin- tenryu uh facing antonio Inoki, and then hulk hogan's also on that show and then dan and emily reed from europe's largest wrestling women's wrestling promotion uh pro wrestling eve very timely i suppose for that we'll be looking at all japan women's big show big egg wrestling universe that took oh. place also in 1994 very cool all right. Well, those are the free shows that we have uh, coming out this week. And then if you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe uh, at postwrestlingcafe.com, we've got the double shot up from Monday night with reviews of Total Bellas being the elite and the winner of our contest, our WWE shop contest. Uh, that is available now. Uh, we will resume our G1 podcast on Thursday with shows coming out Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The Friday show is a free one, but... Uh, Thursday and Saturday will be available to all of the cafe members. And we've got our post-production video that will be out Thursday. Thursday? Uh, No, probably Friday. Friday. Friday, where we will review the Elias album in all its glory. So you can check all of that out, postwrestlingcafe.com. Yeah. All right. That's it, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, Have a wonderful day. That's all.